This is Kan Zenshu, the podcast, episode 313 for the week of November 11th, 2012. Welcome to Kan Zenshu, the podcast, an extension of the all encompassing Dragon Ball fan site. Kan Zenshu. That is right, we cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining here on this lovely Sunday morning over here in New Jersey. My name is Mike Vegito EX. We are at an interesting recording time so we can pull all various folks together for amazing oh, yes. news, which we weren't really planning on, but uh, a <laughs> fantastic topic as well. So uh, joining me back uh, week in, week out lately, Heath, Mr. Hujio, sir, thanks for joining us at... Uh, uh, a little after 7 a.m. your time. Yes, it was awesome. But, you know, having a kid, I was up already. <laughs> yeah, so. I kind of figured as much. <laughs> it's like you, you emailed me and said, hey, is 7 a.m. going to be okay with you? I'm like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's fine. I was up at 6 anyway, so all right, it's cool. all good. I'll good, take a good. nap later. That works. All right, and then also joining us, the uh, difficult one to schedule because he's on the other side of the world, Julian. Sir, welcome to the show. Uh, I think it's been a while since you've been on. Yeah, it's, well, you know, it's been a while since we had the regular podcast. Oh, that's true. Then, it was yeah. off for a month. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of forget about that. Uh, also up early with the kids, but you're up late now, so. Yes, kinda, well, my daughter is actually sleeping, so that's good. That is good. How you doing, man? Oh, not too bad. You know, things are going well at work. We're kind of knee-deep in planning for this English camp thing that our school kind of dumped on us. But we're taking it with good humor, and I'm trying to use my spare moments when I'm not teaching or planning for that to do translating stuff. Yeah, you've been doing a lot. Uh kind of can't understand how you have the time to do all this. All you folks putting me to shame. Uh Me neither, but uh, yeah. So we got these two folks along with me, hoping that Mary was going to be able to join us, but she actually had some uh, work stuff crop up this weekend. They decided to go live launching a website, so she's off working all weekend long, uh, even Ouch. this early. So Ooh. that sucks. Uh, we were very much hoping that she would come join us to talk about this topic. She was very interested, but unfortunately, she bailed on us last second. But the topic this week, we are going to talk about a variety of things that you can can already read on Konzenshu and a variety of things that you cannot read just yet, but they are coming soon. We are going to dive into the dark world of interviews, primarily with original author Akira Toriyama, but also plenty of other folks, including many of the original voice actors, etc. So uh, we're actually going to do like this little roundtable top three quotes from all of us. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, that was going to be our biggest thing this week. We're really excited about that to share a bunch of little tidbits and information. And then a bunch of news cropped up. So we kind of have this crazy episode planned for you that kind of all came together at the last minute. But I'm very excited because all you folks are here with me and I have two cups of coffee totally pumped into my blood right now. I'm I set to go. I have one cup. Well, you got to catch up with me, man. Damn it. <laughs> Keep going. I will chug this right now. Go, man. Go. Go. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, anyone get any stuff before we hit the news? I feel like we got a lot to cover here. I say we just hit it. All right. Hitting it. All right, so the first bit of news that uh, actually came up almost immediately after we recorded the last episode of the podcast, and I had to break in that little record scratch thing just to make sure I got it in there, but uh, apparently Dragon Ball Kai is set to continue, just 
not necessarily in Japan. Julian, you were kind of at the forefront of this news. I think you got more retweets in Japanese than you did in English. I got 90 retweets. In fact, there may be more than that now, but I haven't checked. Why don't you tell us what's going on here? What's up with Dragon Ball Kai? How did this all come about? So back on November 2nd, Toshio Furukawa the voice of Piccolo, tweeted that they had just finished recording at their studio and they took a picture with Ryo Horikawa, Vegeta, Mayumi Tanaka, Kuririn, Masako Nozawa, Goku, and himself. So we're all thinking, okay, they must have just finished recording something for the upcoming 2013 movie. But then, no, he tweeted a little while later that that's not what it was. And we were wondering, well, what is it then? But then a few days later, we got the answer via the blog of Mayumi Tanaka, the voice of Kuririn. And she said, It won't be aired in Japan, but overseas Dragon Ball Kai is continuing. Right now we are recording the part at the Tenkaichi Budokai where Goten and Trunks infiltrate the adults division by one standing on the other's shoulders. The image is definitely clearer than before. We talked about how we wanted to air in Japan, too. Mayumi. So here's the interesting part here. Uh, one, we were pretty sure Kai was just over. It was, I don't want to say a failure of an experiment, but uh, clearly did not live up to what their expectations were. So it was cut, I guess you can say, quote unquote, short from what the uh, plan may have been to go through the entirety of the original Dragon Ball Z TV series. And when we last left it, I believe we had Takashi Kusao, uh, kind of how we learned that Kai was finishing, saying, yeah, I really hope we do get a chance at some point to go into the Boo story arc. But right now, you know, we're finishing up with the Cell arc and that's kind of it. So here we are. Uh, this is like a, a year and a half later because it concluded March 2011, correct? The end of March. It was supposed to hit April. but Right. Yes. Okay. So Kai is continuing, apparently only for international markets in terms terms of broadcast i have to imagine that if they're making it maybe it'll see a home release in japan and this is one of those things i feel bad for answering (laughs) this back at people because i know everyone's trying to help but uh, i kind of feel like we should have noted in the update we are aware that other properties have done similar things everyone's like oh but have you heard of sonic x it did this and i think maybe even kinikuman maybe had some international only things we are aware (laughs) that some of those other series have had uh similar precedents so this has happened before. Thank you all, though, however, for letting <laughs> us know about the thing that we already knew. But I guess we should have said something about that. Uh, all right. Thoughts, folks, on this. Kai continuing. Heath, I'm going to go over to you, I guess, because you and I were kind of the, the forefront of breaking down Kai financials. We always knew that Kai was doing better internationally than it was in Japan. And it's been doing that for years now. And it, we've seen it, especially in the United States, really pick up with Nicktoons and you see a lot of kids that now like it and I think they see a market uh, we've noticed that Toei Animation has really had a push for international markets recently uh, in a lot of their year-end and fiscal yeah. presentations they talk a lot about going after the international market yeah, and heavy even, focus exactly even with this new movie how they're getting some additional funding from the Japanese government to help them push it into international markets really shows that they're they're making a very good effort 
into trying to solidify their company, not only, you know, nationally in Japan, but just globally, if they can really take on that marketplace, I think they will be set for a very long time. So I guess two questions there. One would be, uh, do you think a lot of the international licensees are kind of asking for a conclusion of the series? And then question two, do you think part of it is uh, having a recent lead up to the Boo arc so the new movie makes sense, perhaps internationally? Uh, On the first part, I think it's kind of both. I think Toei Animation themselves already had plans to do it. Yeah, they would have liked to. Exactly. We know that people had requested that they actually continue. uh, I guess I should preface voice actors had asked, I would love to do the Boo arc. Are you guys going to continue? And I think they had planned on it the whole time. But then when they started crunching numbers and all the stuff was coming in, they're going, God, we just, this isn't feasible. And then I think with some international interest with how well Z Kai did outside of Japan, it they really decided this is something we need to do. And then going into your second point, I think that has a lot to do with it as well. When you know you're going to have a lot of extra income coming your way from what is going to what appears to be an international release of a brand new movie, uh, I think they said this is a great lead in. This is something we should probably do. Even though, I mean, everyone has semi-recent releases of the entirety of the series and video games that cover it. I think for perhaps the younger generation that they continue to try and go after to create uh, the base for a third wave, maybe 10 years from now, uh, might be worth it to them to have a yet even more recent version of the Boo Arc available to them. Oh, definitely. Especially a condensed version. I mean, some people might not realize that the Boo Arc is actually one of the longest arcs. It's just under 100 episodes. Yeah, it's a third of the DPZ TV series. So it's something that a lot of people definitely wanted. um, And especially from my standpoint, being a completionist, it's nice to see they're going to do the whole thing. Yeah, I saw a lot of people who were saying, no, I didn't even bother buying Kai because I can't have the entirety of the series. I would have to go from Kai then over to, for example, the Dragon Boxes. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, the Buarks coming, uh, grabbing all of the prior releases. <laughs> yeah, people went out yes. right away and started buying things yeah, off yeah. of Amazon. And it's like, you know, if there's a giant push and they see after an announcement like that that something like this is yeah. going to happen, then Maybe sales take I think it, jump here. it goes, oh, yeah, we made the right decision. Julian, let's take it over to you. What are your thoughts on uh, Kai continuing? I guess from the Japanese perspective, where it was just kind of a thing on TV that, sure, people tuned into, but that was about it. Yeah, people watched it. And yeah, I mean, I think the problem was they didn't buy stuff because, you know, Dragon Ball is already a thing. There's the manga. There's the Aini manga. There's plenty of Z stuff that's still out there on DVD that they could see and it's probably cheaper than buying Kai. Yeah, that was always an important point that the the peak of merchandise sales in Japan was recent, at least for the second wave, 2007. I mean, the R2s were recent enough of a home video release that like, if I want to watch it, it's right there and I guess I can tune in and okay. Yeah, so, you know, what's the point in terms of you know buying new merchandise because it's the same as the old merchandise all right so that is the situation on kai right now we will of course continue to keep up with it as uh we see maybe an official announcement right now it's just mahimi tanaka's blog i think it'll be (laughs) interesting to see if there's you know a direct to video release yeah yeah japan because i i know we know that they're recording the dialogue in japanese yep 
And there are some international releases that just use the Japanese script and throw on subtitles. But I think if they're going to all that trouble, they might as well release it. But then the question is, if nobody bought all the Blu-rays and DVDs before... Right, who's going to buy it now? Are they going to buy it now just solely because it's the only way you can watch it? Yeah, and if it's not on (laughs) TV, is there a slightly bigger incentive to buy it? And you're right, there are countries out there, I believe Portugal and France, that air a Japanese... French Portuguese subtitled version of Kai on TV. So that'll continue it there. And also it can be ported to all the international home releases. All right. So that was Kai. We'll come back to it when we know something else. Some of the other little things we've had going on. Uh, magazine bonuses coming our way in January 2013. Yes, nothing too spectacular here, but this is tying in with a lot of the second anniversary of Dragon Ball Heroes stuff here. The uh, January issue of V-Jump uh, is going to contain what kind of card is here. It's going to be a Son Goku card. And this is the cards here are kind of cheap but i like him at the same time the goku card here it's just the cover of volume 23 of the original tonkobon release uh julian you said also comes with a card case that you put together yourself yes awesome that's correct that's the thing <laughs> I, I can't imagine it's particularly sturdy but no no yeah they All say right. kumitate shiki, so something you put together Very probably exciting. folds up into some sort of shape right so you should probably apply some glue or tape Maybe. Or just never Most put likely. it together. Just kind of keep it there in your magazine like I always do. Yes. That's what I do. I never out. unseal anything. All, all my <laughs> yes. One Piece merchandise yep. from Psycho Jump is still in the packaging. Did you get the uh, little children gloves? I think what issue was that? Was that like the February issue? I don't know what to do with those. Like, <laughs> Because maybe I can you send them to, to one of you two. You to wear them. No, they don't fit. No, that's... You need to try to <laughs> oh, wear them. Oh. I was going to say, I'll just send them to you guys with the children. Uh, fit well. All right, so V-Jump, that's on sale November 21st. Remember, V-Jump on sale 21st every month, two months ahead. Yes, and we should also say that this month we are anticipating some news about the upcoming 2013 Dragon Ball Z movie. That is true. However, um... Maybe we know it. <laughs> very well be that we've already found out. Right. But we'll get to that. <laughs> All right, that's coming soon. Then the other magazine uh, we were just talking about is Psycho Jump, which is Shueisha's spinoff manga kind of compilation thingy uh that's due out on december 4th that comes with a card as well for heroes this is volume 23 of the original tonko bone release we have super saiyan gohan and cell in his perfect form there so if you are a magazine slash card completist like a certain fool named mike talking right now you will be ordering a couple of these magazines you mean volume 33 uh what did i say I'm pretty sure you said 23. I probably did say 23 because I said 23 for the prior one. This is 33, 23 and 33 magazines respectively. That's the thing. Thank you for the correction. See, we auto-correct as we go. We do auto-correct. When we actually catch it. (laughs) When we listen to what the others are saying. Uh, I'm going to say one more bit of news and then turn it to someone else. Black Friday, if you don't live in the United States, that's when we eat a bunch of food and then everyone goes shopping the next day. Or if it's this year, it's like 8 p.m. the same Thanksgiving evening. Uh, things are getting a little crazy over here. Yeah, the way it's progressing is just got off. <laughs> it's just going to start uh, the day prior to Thanksgiving, I'm sure, at some point. But uh, what stores is Best Buy? They're going to have some doorbuster deals here. A bunch of Kinect games are going to be $24.99, including Dragon Ball Z for Kinect. Interestingly, this is not just Black Friday. It's the 22nd to the 24th later this month. So if you mm. happen to go into a store between those dates and they have it, you should be able to get it for $25. And if you're not sure if it's worth the $25, well, you can 
always just head on over to Kanzenshu.com and check out the full review of Dragon Ball Z for Connect, written by A1 Mr. Vegito EX. It's linked on the sidebar. All right, time to let someone else talk about some news. Uh, Heath, why don't you tell us about Pilaf? All right. So as we find out everything, it's through random magazine articles about things that no one thought would be there. So at the 30th prize fair in Tokyo on November 6th, I believe it was, Bondi was on hand to showcase a bunch of new figures for the Zokai Budokai 3. And along with it, we found out that there was a world collectible figure line that was being put out that would feature figures from the upcoming 2013 Dragon Ball Z movie. Now, hold on. This uh, WCF, the World Collectible Figure, I believe yes. this line debuted with Kai figures. Does that sound correct? Um, They've done other series. They have done like One Piece and, and stuff they've since. They've done Dragon Ball. I know okay. that. Like, okay. Because there are already a uh, World Collectible Figure of off and mm-hmm. my and shoe uh, but I they were released a couple years ago as far gotcha. as I could tell so. but they're they're like seven centimeters I think it was and they're supposed to be yep. pretty decent high quality for the size they are so that's supposedly what makes them special. and they they come in sets of eight mm. so you, you just get the little tiny boxes you can buy them all at once or separately cool cool all right but, uh, cool. yep so these will be produced in conjunction with next year's movie and, of course, we see all the main characters like Goku and Vegeta. And then we have three characters that are just completely blocked out and marked as secret. So Ooh. we may know who they are now. Yeah, that's but true. Maybe. along with that, uh, we also had Pilaf, Mai, and Shu. And there's been some hot debate about whether that's actually Pilaf or not. Because <laughs> he's so, green, I know. Yes. Yeah. But uh, so that's what we know. And then the question is, so is Pilaf actually going to appear in the upcoming movie? And it appears, yes, indeed, he he will, along with his cohorts and shenanigans, will ensue, and fun times will be had by all. It's tough. Like, do you call them henchmen? I guess they're henchmen, but they're so much more competent than he is. I don't know. I love them all. I love them so much. Yes. Well, they are fanatically loyal. That, that's yes. true. As we've seen in Dragon Ball GT, they will stick by his side. Which, <laughs> God knows why. Uh, well... Then they won't be able to answer that question for you. So oh, I guess sorry. we take it over to the final news. We thought that Kai was going to be the biggest news of the week. Maybe Kai is not the biggest news of the week. Perhaps this is not even real news. We're not entirely sure. But after some text messages back and forth, we decided to run the story anyway. Uh, perhaps the new Dragon Ball Z movie set to debut in Japanese theaters on March 30th, 2013 is called Battle of Gods. And perhaps may star a rabbit maybe cat sort of egyptian villain maybe not even a villain we're not entirely sure kind of thing yeah it's kind of we're not exactly sure what's going on but we will obviously keep you guys updated (laughs) i don't know what's going on julian uh the subtitle of the movie appears to be kami tolkami uh yes would that simply just be god and god or would there be kind of a a more poetic reading to that god and god um or is it just it is what it is yeah basically i mean yeah it it makes me wonder though with having the actual japanese there because we've seen them kind of play it up in English to make it sound 
more interesting. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if that is the actual title in Japanese, but then they just said Battle of Gods. It's possible. Or I guess it could be a subtitle. We don't really know. That's the weird thing. It's just a poster with no explanation that comes with it. Uh, it just is. Yeah. Uh, I guess we can say that it does appear that Pilaf and his two little lackeys are a little super tiny down at the bottom of the image. So yes, perhaps. Honey, I shrunk the kids. Maybe it's another case of Pilaf unleashing a terrible evil upon the world, but we don't or really know. Or upon himself. Or, yeah, or upon himself. Maybe that's why he's so small. We have no idea. It's a bunch <laughs> of characters. Uh, yes. A couple of the hardcore strength fans are a little bit up in arms over Gohan being Super Saiyan there down at the bottom of the page. Surprise, surprise. That's a thing. That is a thing. Then we have this mysterious female character who kind of looks like Videl, but we're not sure. Right. Uh, and might then there's... Be. Characters in the background, I think. Yes, Mis- Mr. Satan, Yamcha, and what looks like Puar, Tenshin Han, Kuririn. Chiaotzu's like hidden back there somewhere. So, uh, I, I don't know. What else can we say about this right now? I feel like it's the biggest news, but we have almost nothing to go yeah. on. First of all, we don't know. We have almost nothing to go on. <laughs> to go on. Ah, 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 nice pun. We don't know the origin of the image. It looks like uh came from... Again, as always, a Japanese posting uh, on... Is it two-chan or two-channel? I think it's two-channel, right? It's 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 Nichanneru. Okay, well, thank you. Jeez, Mike, get it right. <laughs> Sorry. But it looks like it's... Somebody pulled it up on their, their iPod or iBook, iMac thingy, whatever. You guys have so much crap for i... But <laughs> it looks like a scroll bar from a couple generations ago. Yeah, Sorry. right, right. So, so I don't. It's like somebody had access to it, but they couldn't post the actual image, so they just took a picture of it and then they posted that. Says to me, maybe it's a mock-up that someone did on their computer and they took it off their computer because they have no way to print it and make it look official. So, I mean, that kind of sets off some alarms in my head that I'm not entirely sure. But at about. the same time, that really looks very convincing. Yeah, like Yamamuro's. It does. Yeah, so, I was going to say so. that looks really a lot like Tadayoshi Yamamuro's work. It sure it does. does not, it does not look like, for example, Katsuyoshi Nakatsura's work. Or just random fan drawing. I mean, it could be done by a random fan. It would be a lot of work, but it, it could be fudged. But it looks <laughs> pretty good. So after a while, we're like, yeah, let's just run the story and say that we can't confirm it. And you know, if we have to block it all out later, so be it. That's the fun of the internet. Uh, a lot of people are crediting this to this Manga News Japan uh, Twitter account, but it does look like they took it from the Japanese posting as well. We tried to source down with the actual original sources. That's what's really important about the internet, folks. Find out who first posted it and see if you can find some more information. And uh, that was the furthest back I could find this myself. So that's what we have to go on right now. Uh, I guess because it's a podcast and we can go into a little more depth. Thoughts on what we see here? Julian, I'll start with you. Um, well, I got to say, although I dig pretty well the way the characters themselves look like the characters that we know uh-huh. although I, I, I gotta say I do prefer Nakatsura's style to Yamamuro uh, he threw out class here 2 to 1 damn it um, I'm not sure if 
I think the apparently new characters really jibe with the look yeah. of the series. Yeah. They look like they belong in some other work. Which is fine, because if they're going to like be completely otherworldly... Yeah, well, the ex- Dragon Ball started the exaggerated animals, man. Oda just kind of took it to... See, and that's the Fair one enough. thing I was thinking. We see a lot of animals in Dragon Ball. Yeah, yeah. Not so much in Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, not later and in the series. And that's why I think it looks so odd. What do you guys think about it sort of looking a little Egyptian-y here? You know, initially we were saying rabbit, maybe there's some cat going on. Looks like a cross between a rabbit and a cat. Just the way that the ears are going up is kind of rabbity, but if you go with the Egyptian style of things, perhaps it was intended to be more cat-ish, but uh, a lot of people are like, oh shit, Anubis versus Goku, that's kind of awesome. Could be interesting. Another thing we should note is that in terms of gods in the Dragon Ball universe, well, we kind of have a pretty set idea of how the structure of the cosmos is in the Dragon Ball universe. Right. I mean, you have the gods of each individual world who are mortals who just have that title, basically. And then you have the Kaio who oversee both the heavens and the mortal realm of each particular galaxy and then you have the kaioshin originally five dwindled down to just one was it four originally anyway well four with a die kaioshin yes and then now there's just one plus his predecessor who is really old who plus his attendant just, and well well the yeah person, i guess they're fused now so and they just view everything from outside the cosmos basically right. they're kind of in this i don't know they they exist on a different plane from the universe and then if you want to take it even further through later toriyama interviews he's expanded upon this with the makayo and the makayo shin as well uh, originating with the shinjin the core people and the golden apples and who gets selected and all that stuff so i feel like toriyama has really fleshed out what is a god and kind of what is the antithesis of a god as well uh and then we also have things like dabra from the demon realm so julian like you said we know what gods are in the dragon world so what would this be if not one of those gods that's a good question my thought was and we've kind of seen this before that maybe these characters are so strong they just consider themselves gods Mm. they just call themselves a right. god, even though within the hierarchy of things, they don't fall in anywhere. So maybe something like a long-eared thunder being from another series? Yeah, sure. Maybe. <laughs> oh, dear. But then, you know, we have the character in the background. Is that the character who's pulling the strings? Right. Is that the Bobbity of this situation? Yes. So, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. It seems like they are descending from the heavens while yes. Goku's fighting. And yes. and everybody else appears to have been at a party. Right. And then all of a sudden, something <laughs> happens. Like, we've never seen this before. And they have to <laughs> oh, take off. Oh, dear. I love it. That's what I want. Everyone party, and then take off the fight, come back to finish the party. <laughs> and you know Mr. Satan's just going to stay there. I think, I think knowing Toriyama and what he has said in a lot of his recent interviews uh-huh. about how much he likes satan as a character yeah <laughs> i have a feeling he will be making some sort of significant role in this movie or at least he'll do something really stupid like halfway through and then goku will have to you know do something to save sort him. it out that of course <laughs> does make me sad because we are without the late and great 
Daisuke Gori. So yeah. having Satan played by I already forget who the replacement actor was. And he was okay. It's but, just um, you don't replace Gori. Was it Shozo Izuka? I don't remember. No, I think was that was someone Napa. else. Uh who else was it? I don't remember who Yeah, was. we're awful. <laughs> so anyone else have any thoughts on this? I feel like we covered whatever it is we can possibly cover at this point. Ah, I have something. Yes, please. So the voice of Videl. Yes. Yuko Minaguchi. Yes. She's um, on leave from her voice acting job right now to study English in a foreign country. We have no idea whether she'll be showing up in either the movie or this continuation of Kai. I have to say it's probably looking unlikely, but I don't really have anything to go on. Her blog is mostly pictures of her dog. Right. So just like Toshio Furukawa. <laughs> just like all of them. <laughs> Cute animal pictures. Yeah. They are like everyone else on the internet. All they care about is putting up animal pictures. It's good <laughs> to know the real people. All right, dudes. So, so that I think that's news. all we can really pull from this poster right now. Yep. yep. Without a little more context. That's it. All right. So with that out of the way, speaking of Toriyama and all the cool things he likes to say and flesh out about the series, let's go over to our topic. So, Julian, you've been a madman lately. Oh, yes. Um, so, you know, I figured I'd try and earn my keep. <laughs> you've been translating a lot of stuff. Uh, as we were doing the launch of Kanzenshu, you were in the lyric world. But now, as you come back to the hardcore work, you are in the interview world. Tell me what's up over there. Okay, so we've got this um, thing that we can do where we sort of pool our resources, check up what other people are working on. And I noticed that Heath, you know, mentioned some interviews and things. And I thought, well, you know, I was aware of a few of them, but I never really checked them out because back when I bought a lot of the books and stuff, I was still a teenager and my Japanese was crap. But I thought, wait a minute, I'm fluent in Japanese. I can read Japanese newspapers. I bet I could probably read those now. I started really getting down to business and it's fun. I mean, actually, I don't think people realize just how many interviews there are yeah. oh my with the creator God. and with the staff that are out there. It's pretty much limitless. And we're hoarding them. We're keeping them secret. You can't read them. We are. And that was that was one thing when I really kind of started doing this was it, it was something that Jake and I had always talked about doing, but none of, you know neither of us ever really had the time. And I thought, hey, this would be a really good idea if we just started typing them up. And then over time, we could slowly do a couple. And right, just, right. You know, so they'd we'd have access to them if we wanted to write them up, translate them. And then all of a sudden I had like eight that I had transcribed and thrown up and Julian's like, hey, I'll do that. And he just started like pumping them out. And I'm like, dude, I don't have enough time to keep typing these up in my free time. <laughs> <laughs> so this kind of oh. speaks volumes to why creating Konzenshu was the greatest thing under the planet because we can pool those resources and when someone else is busy, someone else does something else. Yeah, exactly. So what we're going to do is kind of dive into this world of interviews to kind of... Uh, I don't know how to say it, like to talk about stuff without literally just reading the interviews, because that would not be fun. Although I guess we could do a dramatic reading of some of these interviews, but also to tease some of the material coming to the site. We decided that what we're going to do is each of us is going to pull our top three favorite quotes 
from the interviews kind of go in a circle explaining what those quotes were, why we think they're significant, why they're fun. And then you can check out the full interviews over on the site. See, this is why it's an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site. You get the material over there written, you get the analysis and the fun discussion over here. It all ties together. It is the master plan. That's why we are what we are. So, folks, I have five quotes. I still don't know what my top three are. That's how I'm going to be rolling right now. Why don't we all just do a top five? Oh, no, God, no, no, that no. means I have to find two more. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I guess because I do have them right in front of me, I suppose I will go first and I will choose one of my favorite quotes here. Do we want to do just one each? And we'll yeah, that is what the plan, the plan is going to be. We'll kind of switch all around. Okay. I thought it was going to be in reverse order heading toward my absolute favorite because I'm... Ch- because I'm choosing That's on the spot. I'm, I'm not do. sure if it's going to end up that way. I will try to let it go that way. But here's the one I'm going to start with. This comes to us from the book Tenka Ichiden Setsu. This is from a one Miss Masako Nozawa. The uh, leading quote here was, But for example, Frieza is this incredibly cruel alien. Where do you think the lovable part of him is? And so this is Nozawa not talking about herself or one of her roles, but someone else's role. She states, Frieza's always boasting things like, I'm the strongest in the universe, right? You just want to come back with, who are you? trying to act all big and tough. Even Cell is always putting on airs going, I am evil. You just want to shoot right back. I can see that. They still have this feeling of not being fully mature. And even though they're really detestable, there's something about them that's just kind of cute. All of them. I love that. I feel like she knows every other character so well in this series. She's just got them pegged to a T there. Absolutely. She has this idea of how the characters interact and she sort of sees herself as basically all of the characters that Mm -hmm. she's played on the show and how she sort of interacts with the other ones. And yet she sort of sees all of them as kind of cute. Yeah, she does. (laughs) Yeah, she brings up a lot of insight in that interview specifically of the voice actor side of things. There will be things that she never noticed before when like Toriyama Mm -hmm. points something out. And it's just, it's really interesting to read because she'll talk about how you know, characters, the voice actors would all of a sudden read their lines for something and go, what the hell is going on? Yep. I didn't see this coming. And it's like, do you guys not read the manga? Or are you just... So, I like yeah, who it. knows? All right, let's go to someone else because we have so many cool ones to cover here. Who's going to go? It's also from the same book, Tenkaichi Densetsu. So it's continuing a little bit along the same lines. They're talking about Goku and how he's just not that qualified to be a parent. There's uh, the interviewer says, as much as Goku didn't do many fatherly things, Piccolo was Gohan's surrogate father. And that's the lead in. And then uh, Toriyama himself states, um, Goku isn't interested in child rearing, probably. He's completely unqualified to be a father. He doesn't even have a job. Goku wants nothing other than to get stronger, and it feels like he doesn't have any other instincts. So he shows absolutely no interest in things he's not interested in. I bet he wouldn't have had any interest in marriage either, with the insinuation, if he hadn't thought it was a food. Right, right. Didn't say that. And I think a lot of people bring up that same moment where Goku didn't know what that was, and I think they all find that hysterical. So coming from the author himself, he admits that Goku is not exactly the best parent. Well, ironically enough, my my third pick is from Tenkaichi Densetsu as well. It comes from Nozawa and Toriyama. So the interviewer says, your method of naming the characters is also unique, Toriyama-sensei. And Nozawa responds, ah, I love that. I'm always saying it. 
This character's naming is amazing. No matter what they look like, if their name is a vegetable, there's a vegetable theme and not Chinese food or musical instruments, right? And Toriyama just laughs and says, I decided on them without thinking, so it's embarrassing. But at the very least, if I didn't create a theme, there's lots of characters, so it would be a big problem. It's easier to just decide on a theme. So he just kind of makes character names up at a whim, puts absolutely no thought into them, and everyone thinks they are awesome. It just shows how lazy he is at some points of, I don't really care, so I'm just going to pick this. And other people are like, oh my god, you are amazing, I can't believe you thought of this. He's like, oh, I just made it up. Kind of jumping off that, and it's not one of my quotes that I've chosen, so I, I won't read it in full, but I think he also says something like, you know, if he doesn't have a name for a character, even if it's just a placeholder name, he feels like he doesn't have a grasp on who they are, and he can't write them. So he has to come That's, up with a uh, name. Koyama. Oh, is it Koyama? So he, he, he's okay. the okay. Uh, series organizer and uh, major scriptwriter across the movies and things. Gotcha. I so for, for the animation side, he's always like, yeah, if I can't really write him in the script if I don't have a name for him. Gotcha. Okay. So that's why sometimes in the credits, we get all these really weird names. Yes. Right. That are never said aloud. Yes. And it's just because they made them up for the characters <laughs> so they could write them in the script. Yes. Love it. Love the it. other thing, too, um, we're going off the theme of names. So uh, they're talking about how you have these gag names and yet somehow they're fearsome, like Piccolo Daimao. Yes. So Toriyama talks about how he was this really evil guy. So it would be kind of artless to add an evil name on top of that. So he made him Piccolo. Mm-hmm. And then falling off of that, he had uh, tambourine and drum. And so everything was musical instruments. Symbols, yes. piano. And then they get onto the subject of Bulma and her family. So he says, uh, Toriyama says, yes, yes, there's also Dr. Brief and even Bra was born, though there aren't that many kinds of underwear, so that family isn't going to get any bigger. Masako Nozawa comes back, and this is the voice of Goku, mind you, but she says, the fact that you can just nonchalantly give them underwear names is conversely nice and dirty. We're talking about too many quotes. We've got to keep going around here with uh, some of our favorites. All right, uh, so back to you, Mike. Yes, yes. Um, I have two here between the Toriyama and Nakatsuru interview from Son Goku Densetsu. I'm not sure which one to go with. I think we've talked about them both on the show before, but they're both so amazing. Uh, I guess this is the one I'm going to go with, my number two here. The lead-in is, were you doing in-between animation at the time? And Nakatsuru says... Damn it. This is my second <laughs> Is one. it? Alright. Yes. I, I like the crossover here. That's that's fine. That's good. Uh, so I'll read it, and then Heath, I'll, I'll have you give some exposition here. Nakatsuru says, no, I was doing key frames and Toriyama responds huh what are keyframes and in-between animation? <laughs> Katsuru says, Keyframes are the drawings that make up the main parts of the movements in the animation, while in-between animation draws the images that make up the movements between them. The action and timing are determined by the keyframes. There are keyframers and in-betweeners, and the work is divided up between them. And Toriyama says, Ah, so that's how it's made. Nakatsuru finishes up, Dragon Ball was way back, not long after I got started, so I always draw intently, working all the while. So Heath, Toriyama, not knowing how animation is done. Yeah, he had no idea. And they're like, "Really? You don't you don't know how anime is made?" <laughs> no. I had no idea. And then then later on in the discussion, I think it's in the same interview, um uh, the interviewer asks Toriyama if he would rather draw manga in motion like animation uh-huh. and he's like, "Uh, hell no. That's way too much work. I would never do that." <laughs> it's like Okay. I think what's so hilarious about this is that this is from one of the more recent books. And by more recent, I mean like 2004-ish. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is Toriyama. That 
late into the game being like, huh, how do you do that? I just live in my own world. <laughs> and he went to meetings at Toy Animation. Yeah, right? He did things, <laughs> and it's like, how, do you never ask? And no. a lot of it, you know, cell animation's been around forever. So <laughs> Very yeah. nice. Especially as a Disney fan, Disney used cell animation all the time mm-hmm. back in the 80s. I love that, that we both had that as our number two quote. It says something to uh, our style and our sense of humor there, I yes. think. And I actually have uh, something from the same thing that's another demonstration of his laziness. Uh, so it's, it's again, it's from the same book, Son Goku Densetsu. So he's talking about how oftentimes when he was drawing the manga, he would waste time building plastic models and such until two days before the deadline and then he would get up at midnight draw the storyboard which would take until something like 6 a.m and he made the storyboard also the draft save time and then he would spend the next day or so inking and filling in the black spaces and doing tone not that he used a lot of tone and all that stuff and he'd finish in like a day and a half and He's using this to demonstrate just how lazy he is. But Katsuyoshi Nakatsuru is, is looking him at him sort of, well, you can imagine him looking at him sort of mouth agape going, what? That's amazing. You did a week's worth of work in a day and a half? That, you're a genius. <laughs> it just shows how much he procrastinated actually doing it. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't want to say that Toriyama is like this idiot savant, but he kind of is in a way. It's just, it's really weird because you see all these uh, manga artists and animators just in awe of his ability and everything he can do. But in every damn interview, he makes himself look as lazy as shit as he possibly can all the time. I mean, a lot of that is just the Japanese self-deprecating kind of thing. Yeah, it is. But he just like overdoes. He's like, and, and not so much he's trying to make himself look bad. He's just saying, I just want you to realize I'm not amazing. <laughs> I'm actually really lazy and I don't really care that much about certain things yep i think he's being honest he's like no seriously yeah. guys i would rather go take a dump than work on this <laughs> one even not is like oh i'm i'm not as good of an artist as you are toriyama i will never be you and toriyama's like whatever you are really good whatever can you do my series for me please yeah. he's like i would rather you draw it for me so i wouldn't have to do squat but yeah julian i really <laughs> i really like that yes. discussion because it, it really gives you some insight on how Dragon Ball was actually yes. created. And th- that is to say that he did everything on the spot without thinking of anything beforehand, without any planning, probably without any conception of whether he'd actually make the deadline either. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Well, d- didn't he say that his, um, or maybe it was in a different interview, I think it was one of the Shenlong Times, where he's talking to his editors, and they talk about how he would transform his storyboards into his rough draft, and that no one in manga does that mm-hmm. except for Toriyama and somehow he made it work. Yep. yep. And he did it out of laziness. To kind of put mm-hmm. it in this weird other artistic perspective. So Mary and I are fans of Project Runway and there have been a couple designers. End of discussion right there. <laughs> period. And, and there have been a couple designers that do not sketch the outfits that they're going to make. And the other designers look at them like, are you insane? How do you not sketch out what it is you're going to make? And they're just like, no, I've, I've never sketched. And they'll come out with these amazing pieces. And you're like, how is it possible that they do this? So you do have people in all these disciplines that have these similar outlooks and similar mm-hmm. work ethics that just well, works for them. It just depends on on the person. Yeah. Like, I'm really good with seeing things in 3D. So 
at work, a lot of times I don't draw my plans, uh, you know, for engineering and whatnot, because I can see it in my head and uh-huh. I know how it's going to be built. So it makes doing that a lot easier. Gotcha. But some people can't do that. And so back to your project runway, I think that's kind of how it is. These people can see it in their head yeah, yeah. and they literally know what it's going to look like. So to them, it's like looking at a sheet of paper right. with it sketched on mm. it. All right. So I guess we're back around to our number ones here. Uh, maybe this is going to be a little transparent of me. If you have the same one as me, I'm going to be mad. I don't, I don't know. You might. You might. All right. So this one is a three-way interview, and this comes to us from Tenka Ichidensets. I'm pulling okay, a lot from the same one. this book here. Uh, so this is between Toriyama, Koyama, who we spoke about earlier, and Masako Nozawa. And the lead-in here is, how about you, Nozawa-san? Did you struggle with playing the triple role of Goku, Gohan, and Goten? Nozawa says, everyone always says that. But you know how the video plays during the recording session? If it was Goku, as soon as he appeared on the screen, I'd become Goku, just like flipping a switch. If it were Talus, a movie villain, I'd instantly flip into Talus mode. So I could have whole conversations without any problems. And Koyama responds, normally you'd record Goku alone first, then dub in Talus, but Nozawa-san would just continue on performing. So on my end, I'd purposefully make them talk to each other in the scenario. And he laughs and Nozawa says, oh, is that so? And he laughs again uh, and they laugh. Koyama concludes it with, I thought I'd try and give you some trouble, but you had no trouble at all. You really are first rate. It's not something just anyone could do. Even watching from outside Nozawa-san, we could tell that you were instantly switching back and forth. We hear that from so many of the production crew and the other voice actors where they'll just look to the side kind of in awe at her and she just she just does the voices she doesn't need to stop she'll just continue on between them and there's so many quotes where they'll say and they're all distinct it's not just distinct tones it's not just distinct voices it's she's truly playing distinct characters and i forget who it was different like dialects and yeah 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 stuff i forget who it was but they're like oh and i figured that even when gohan or goten got older they would sound a bit more like goku and they're like but no they all even their older versions of themselves are distinct from the older versions of the other characters and they don't understand how it is she's able to do that i love it absolutely love it it speaks volumes to you always hear this from her she says i don't play goku i am goku I just am. And even Toriyama's like, now that I've heard that voice, that's what I picture when I draw Goku. They, they are one in the same. They are Goku. And I, I love Koyama in that interview. Oh, he's like, fucking with I'm their life. I'm really <laughs> going to mess with you. And you are so good that I cannot. I can't mess with you. Mm. Oh, so good. That is such an amazing interview. I could have pulled three, five, 20 quotes from that one alone, but it's one I decided to go with. So Heath, let's go over to you. Uh, your number one choice for the show here. My number one choice, again, comes from Son Goku Densetsu. And it, it seems like we're picking a lot from these, but I think it is because they're a little more recent. And a lot of the other interviews we've kind of seen before like the Daisenshu. Yeah, but. but I do want to say it's so interesting. People think about interviews and like, oh, and the Dai's interviews, they blah, 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 blah. Like we're not even, we don't care about those anymore. It's so weird. But uh, anyway, this comes between uh, Nakatsu and Toriyama and the discussion was uh, Dragon Ball ending and everything. And Nakatsu says, Dragon Ball ends right with Goku getting married. Then Dragon Ball Z starts with Goku's older brother Raditz arriving. And Toriyama responds, wow, is that so? So it made a perfect dividing point then. Yeah, Toriyama had absolutely no idea where the cutoff was in the anime between Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. Don't they continue like, you didn't know that's where it was? Yeah, he's like, are you serious? You just figured this out. Like the interviewer was like, 
in awe that Toriyama would even say that. And he's like, yeah, I, I had no idea what's wrong. What are you talking about? So again, it just goes to the fact that Toriyama, if it's not him drawing the manga and it's not the Bardock special, he really <laughs> yeah. doesn't care. Yep. Yep. And that's something so, I can note too, is that as I was going through all these interviews, I think I counted four times that Toriyama cites the Bardock special as being uh, important to him or interesting to him over the span of about a decade. So obviously yeah, that stuck with him. I mean, it, starting in the, the mid nineties, he really carries that through in almost all of his interviews. He does. Yep. When somebody brings up, what's your favorite piece of animation? Right. And it's always the same thing. He never wavers. All right. So Julian, we're over to you. Your favorite quote from interviews you've been looking at. So I haven't, this is actually not from an interview. It's from an essay. And it's written, it's written by someone else. It's written by the author of One Piece, Eijiro uh, um, Oda. Ah. And I, um, I'm, I'm reading this here in Japanese because I haven't translated it yet. But um, it's, it's really, it's an, a fitting tribute and it also pokes fun at him at the same time. There probably is a translation nice. courtesy of a friend of the site, but uh, I'm not going to look at it so I can do my own version. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but I'm just going to sort of translate on sure. the fly from about the middle. So, over the 11 years that Dragon Ball was in serialization, I wonder just how many times we asked, what's going to happen next? There's a phrase of uh, only God knows, but in this case, terrifyingly, the creator who was God, Akira Toriyama-sensei himself, was also saying this, what's going to happen next? Ah, come on, there are limits to how much you can be writing from the seat of your pants. In spite of that, whatever the situation was behind the scenes, this man named Akira Toriyama, no, Goku, would never betray our expectations. All the boys in Japan, every week, if Goku would go to an unknown place, they'd all say, think in unison, where, where is he? And if Goku got angry, we would all howl together, we will never forgive that guy. This is the shonen, man um, shonen manga for shonen, for boys. Japan's unique culture of weekly serialization gave birth to. Dragon Ball is a masterpiece. I think that's a fitting conclusion there. Uh, it sums up everything that all the other interview folks have been saying and been hinting at, and even Toriyama himself just uh, put in a way that I think really throws everything in perspective. Some great stuff there. Yes. Well, yeah, there were, I think it's in, is it in Tenka Ichi Densetsu where he talks about he didn't really know. He would draw each chapter by chapter. Yep. He wouldn't even know ahead of yes. time mm -hmm. what the next chapter was going to be. He'd, He'd take a couple days off and then he'd think about yes. it while he sleeps. And of course, that was a big point in the intended endings guide on the <laughs> site where it's yeah. Toriyama was just writing every week. He, I mean, there yes. occasionally he had some plot points, but there's I mean, no grand plan. He specifically says, even I didn't know where things were going to go. And I would be surprised when something would happen <laughs> yes. to a character. He'd get He's to like, that final dude, panel. You're, you're the one making this stuff up. You think you wouldn't be surprised. And it's such but... a Japanese way of saying it. And everyone always says this. They'll say something that's literally, ah, so that's how it is. <laughs> <laughs> like Toriyama answers that himself as he gets to the end of a chapter. Ah, so that's how that <laughs> Basically, I think it's in the Daizenshu 6 interview where he's talking about how he came up with the Potata earrings. And that he's, he's yeah, always yeah. writing himself into corners. And then it's just as he seems like it's hopeless, 
as it seems like is hopeless, he gets this idea and he's able to write himself out. So he he um, stretches the suspension of disbelief in the service of getting himself out of there. And the author of Video Girl Eye, is that Katsura? Is that Yes, Masakazu Katsura. He's like, but the earrings were there the whole time. Were you planning on it? And Toriyama's like, nah, nah, that was just a coincidence. That worked out nice. Huh? <laughs> well, and then it's brought up again in uh, Tenkaichi Densetsu when Koyama is talking to him about it. And he is just amazed that Toriyama can write himself out of these corners. He's like, that is pure brilliance. And Toriyama's like, eh, not really. I just kind of did whatever. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much more stuff, and there's going to be a ton coming to the website that you uh, can read right now and can read soon, and we love sharing this. What I did ask on Twitter and Facebook earlier this week was, if there were any people that could come, whether it was Toriyama or one of the original producers or a voice actor, that in an interview could clarify one thing for you, what would it be? So we're going to turn it over to you right now and ask what your questions would be. All right, the first one here from Francisco asks, who actually asked Goku to sit down and then explained what sex was to him? Was it Roshi or Chi-Chi? I would not want Roshi to do that. Uh, I'd be concerned that he wouldn't actually know the answer to that question. He's perverted, but I don't know that he got a lot of action in his day. Mm-hmm. There's a good one. It really makes you wonder how they had two kids. Hmm. Yes, well... Question for a different style of podcast here. Uh, Heath, why don't you read the next one? Uh, This one comes from Jason Scars, who asks, Where got the idea for the Super Saiyan concept, Trunks, and why any half-breed Saiyan after Gohan doesn't possess a tail? Well, in terms of the transformation, uh, we do know that he enjoyed it because then he didn't have to ink in the hair. So I think that was part of the reason for the decision. It was his assistant. He said he needed some sort of, of power up, but he wasn't sure how to do it. And he figured a transformation would be the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. I think this is in, uh, Tenkaichi Densetsu as well. God, there's a lot in that book. (laughs) That book is like half interviews, I swear. But yeah, he talks about how he needed some sort of way to have a sudden power up and a transformation was the best idea he could come up with. And then it just so happened that he decided, I'm going to change the hair because then my assistant wouldn't have to ink in Goku's black hair. And he repeats Mm -hmm. that in in the story guide uh, for the super exciting guide. He mentions it again. Good stuff. So and then as far as the not having a tail. It, I don't think he ever specifically says, but I'm pretty sure he just got tired of He drawing. does say one thing in an interview that was published in the American Shonen Jump. It must have been back in 2003 or 2004, early on, because it was, it was yeah, while I yeah. was still subscribing and I only had a year's subscription. Um, but he says, it appears that tails are a recessive trait. And that doesn't make any sense at all. But um, because if tails were a recessive trait, that means Chi-Chi also has a recessive trait for a tail. Um, <laughs> Maybe all humans still do from earlier well, times. Well, there, there are people who were born with vestigial tails. They're, they're, they're not true. that... that um, they don't have such luxurious fur, and they're not that long. And Anyway. No, nor are we... Qual- anyway, so we have a batch here. Uh, Julian, why don't you actually read the next four, and then we're going to take them all as a whole. So, okay. So Michael Phipps asks... If he really did plan to end it after Frieza or not. Okay, Spencer Smith asks, where was he planning to take the story before he was forced to add in number 17 and number 18? Um, and the next person, John Faust, John Fust, uh, says, 
Likewise, before cell was introduced after tor- uh, after Yu Kondo's complaints, where would things have gone? So a lot of this pulls into, and I know if you're a fan of Kanzenshi, you've probably read the Intended Endings Guide. And I think people still harp on, but no, 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 there was an intent to end with Frieza, even though I feel like we've pretty thoroughly debunked that if there were any kind of plan to end it there, and there has been no statement ever said by anyone, including Toriyama, that that was a plan. If that were a plan, I think the way Jake sums it up, it would have been like plan D, not plan A or even plan B or even plan C. It was way down there. Well, and I think part of the issue people take with it is, oh, these are really good breakpoints that things could happen. But as we've just discussed earlier, how Toriyama doesn't even know what the next chapter is going to happen. He has to write himself out of corners. He has to do all these things to make the story coherent and fluent. And that is what you're seeing. He doesn't know what's going to happen. So he literally has to make shit up so that it works. Half the time, it doesn't work all that great, but it works. And then he specifically notes when he starts doing things like time travel and bringing trunks in he did write himself into a corner and he kind of wished he never had done that (laughs) so it's it's just these things that no he he had no idea and like mike you were saying there's been no official statement anywhere where he anyone even on the production side of things even comes out and says well, we were planning on doing it here, but then he was forced to continue. And just on the subject of, well, it feels like a natural break, think about the series as a whole. How many natural breaks are there? There are countless natural breaks in the series. And again, I think Jake does a great job of saying, even mentioning it gives it this undue importance as if it were a legitimate ending point when there is no evidence whatsoever. So I think we're going to leave it there. I'm going to go over to Colton here. I've always been interested in backstories for both 17 and 18. Where did they come from? What were their actual names? What were they like as humans? I know this was always a big subject in uh, Japanese fandom as I was getting into this series. Lots of fan sites for 17 and 18. And uh, the story of delinquent children always comes up. Yes, I need to remember where that actually comes from, actually. Because I remember hearing that even way back in the day. Right. Delinquent children that uh, Gero found and abducted or whatever (laughs) and turned them into these cyborgs and so i think that would be a a good thing for him to clarify but uh i guess let's continue here who's next all right um so this next one comes from manny torres is there an origin story of how the namekians obtain the ability to create the dragon balls ah it's a good one i like that not that we're aware of that they just kind of do no these are things that we wish that could be clarified yes so that would be good of course what kind of answer would he give us it's the other question (laughs) well they can (laughs) and just be like when Nozawa asked him why there were seven Dragon Balls, he says, oh. You know, what's no interesting about that reason. is that he didn't uh, bring in Hakenden there. So I wonder if he forgot I know, I about that. that. Well. It's possible. He probably did. I mean, that original interview from so long uh, ago. the Boken special right. was way back in the, what, late 80s. Yes. All right, Julian, you're up here. Okay. Uh, James Torfi de Fortier, I guess. Uh, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Why didn't all the Saiyans return when the wish to return everyone to life who was killed by Frieza was made? Now, I'm pretty sure we do actually have this answered in the series. Was the stipulation that the wish was so great to bring all those people back at the same time that the concession was it would only be those killed within the last year? I believe so, yes. Rather than being a... a 
formal rule for all wishes. I think it was just in that one case because the amount of people was so large. I don't think we've ever had a case where we they needed to wish someone back that had been dead for longer than a year. So I think that was the only thing going on here. That seems about right. I mean, I'd, I'd need to check the manga again, and I don't have the manga here, right. actually. <laughs> but All right, so we'll continue onward. Uh, David wants uh, a canon, a canonical, accurate battle powers list that finally shuts everyone up. Now, my answer to that would be, <laughs> I, I talk about this so often when the subject of canon comes up, and that a perfectly legitimate school of thought is that unless it was written in the series at the time of its publication, even if it's from the original author, it's being retconned and I don't have to accept it as quote-unquote truth. And so I think you have that here where even if Toriyama sat and read through the entire series again and did all the research and came up with all the rules for battle powers you would still have people that say well that doesn't match up with what i think the rule should be and even though it's from toriyama i don't accept this so i think even if he did it it would not really help anything well doesn't even toriyama himself admit well i know he admits at points that he never really should have done battle powers yes <laughs> but then he talks about the super saiyan transformation and how in his head when he was writing at the time, he thought it was like just 10 times whatever their power was or mm -hmm. something, which is just Ozaru transformation. But then later on, he realized, well, that didn't make sense. So it was like, what, Super Exciting Guide right, 2009, right. he makes up 50 times or whatever. Mm -hmm. and so yeah, again, you get in that stuff where in his head, this is what he's thinking, but uh, he's not doing the math as he goes. He's just throwing He's it out just there talking, yep. and then later on when he gets so many questions over the years he finally just makes up a number yeah it doesn't help anything all right Not we got at all one last thing here that someone wishes toriyama or someone else could clear up so this is from matt krebom after gohan got the power up from old kai in the boo saga can he still go super saiyan and just hasn't seen the need to or can he really not go super saiyan anymore well, that transitions wonderfully into the upcoming 2013 movie. Possibly, if this image is to believed, to believed, to be believed, that uh, Gohan does appear to be in Super Saiyan. Well, Sign. and then you have GT on top of all that. Yes. Well, so. I think the, the hedging explanation is that he doesn't have to, but he still can. It's just right, wasting right. energy, but it looks cool. Yep. Well, that's a good point. Maybe people hadn't thought of that. I don't know. I don't keep up with this whole... This whole Dragon Ball thing. This, this yeah, <laughs> what's Dragon Ball? So that's a whole bunch of stuff that you folks wish could be explained or expanded upon in interviews. We'd love to hear more. You can always respond on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, on the forum thread for every episode that we do have over on Consensu. That's going to wrap us up. It's been a spectacular episode filled with news and a topic and your feedback. And I think we need to call it a night slash morning here. Julian, good to have you doing so much hard work for us that we can turn into an episode. It's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm happy to be doing it. I just wish I had more time. I'm sure we can revisit this at some point. Yes, we can just oh, keep absolutely. pulling out more quotes. <laughs> Next time we'll do like only interviews from the 1980s. Yeah, yes. we could do that too. We should also take the long view and sort of chart how his explanations for things change over time as he forgets <laughs> details and makes I up would other like ones. That. We'll have to come up with a few of those, just how it changes. I like that idea. <laughs> Cool, cool. All right. Thank you again. So we got Heath over here as well. Yes. Good having it's, you. Uh, the sun is up. 
barely. Good. So the sun is up and your sun is up? Oh, my sun's been up. He's he's upstairs. Very good. Why you can't hear him. <laughs> All right. So we got Julian, we got Heath. Again, my name is Mike Vegito EX. It's been lovely having you all with us this week. Uh, Julian, why don't you tell the kind kids where they can find Konzenshu? Yes. Well, you can find Konzenshu on the internet at uh, com. That's Konzenshu.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we've got a bunch of icons on the site that you can link to from there. And we have a forum, and we have an IRC thing that people sometimes inhabit. Oh, we live there. We're always there. (laughs) I remember it occasionally. Heath's there like once a year. Yep, pretty much. About once every every three or four months. If you want to talk about Pokemon, that's the place to go. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, apparently. (laughs) Well, you know, at one time it was hosted by, what is it, Pokeball.net. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was the thing. All right. So this has been a lovely episode. This has been episode 313 of our podcast at Konzenshu, bringing you the best news, the most accurate news, the most timely news, and the best content that you can find for Dragon Ball online. Yeah, I said it. We're the best. What of it? Konzenshu.com. That's it. He thank you. Julian, thank you. Mary, well... Thank you for nothing. For working and making my money. <laughs> making me money. So I Thank you for waving home. to us before yes. we started recording. <laughs> so thanks to all those folks. And of course, Jake, who uh, did have part in translating some of the stuff in the past that you can find on the site. So Konzenshi.com 313. We will see you next week for 314. And Julian, wrap it up. Yes. Thank you very much for listening to this week's edition of Konzenshu the podcast we'll catch you again next week hopefully question mark <laughs> dot, dot, dot. i guess technically you'll catch us again next week but whatever